religion in a positive light. In James 1, we know the verses states a need for true religion in all of us. Not just about, why didn't he use the word relationship? Relationship with Christ, pure and undefiled, is this. Because it's speaking about a covenant relationship, not just a relationship. It's a covenant relationship. It's been that way from day one. A covenant relationship. So James lays it out as a covenant relationship, and that word is religion, is summarizing that. It says, this is the need, a bridled tongue visiting the fatherless and widows and keeping himself unspotted from the world. Well, I don't do those things, but I have a relationship with Jesus because I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church. Your religion is absolutely worth zero if it doesn't come under the covenant relationship that He offers. If you want pure religion, this is how it's done. Unspotted from the world. Nothing that the world offers can put its spot on you if you're in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's a little bit too demanding. Can you imagine getting ready for your wedding day? And you're going to pick up your bride in her white dress. This is an exciting day for you. And you get over there to pick her up on this exciting day. She's dressed in beautiful white. And as you pull up to her door, you go and knock on the door. She's not in the house. You hear squealing out in the barn and you go out to the barn and there she is mucking out the pig pen in her white dress. There's no one who would want to get married that way. There's no one. Zero. And in the same way. Anyone looking forward to the day Jesus Christ appears will keep the muck off of Him from the world. No exception. That's only common sense. People today at the, sorry, people at the judgment will one day cry, Jesus, we knew you. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And what is Jesus' response to them? I never knew you. And why does he say that? You workers of iniquity. You lawless people. Right? I had a covenant for you. A covenant relationship. Not just a fuzzy relationship where he says, Hey, look, I, I, I pray, I, I read the Bible. I, no, I had a covenant relationship. Something that held value. And it was offered to you. You rejected it. I don't know you. We must recognize without covenant keeping, relationship is zero. It's not even on the chart. Not even on the radar. Without covenant keeping, we as His children are registered as zero in relationship. <clears throat> A covenant says, if this is fulfilled, I will. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There's a covenant. And I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, although the word relationship is not in verse 18, obviously it is there insinuated. Saying, I will be your father. <clears throat> You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, how do you get to verse 18? You can't get there 
unless you go through verse 17. To come out among, from among the world, and be separate. That's part of the covenant relationship he's offering to the people. Turn to Romans chapter 11. So it's covenant relationship that we offer, not just a come to Jesus covenant. It's come out from the world, be separate. Don't touch the uncleanness of the world. Come out. God is offering a covenant relationship to everyone on the earth. It's not just a relationship where I say, well, I'm going to read the Bible and pray because that means I'm in a relationship. It doesn't. Is that part of the relationship? Absolutely. But the covenant relationship is so important. When we turn to Him with all of our heart, come out from the world, that covenant is there. He says, I will receive you. Living in the covenant God has offered. Let's look at that verse, Romans 11, that I started out with, chapter 11, verse 26, a controversial verse. So all Israel shall be saved. How does that happen? As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sin. So, God is saying, all Israel can be saved. There's no question about that. There's a covenant. I'm going to send Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And as as people turn away from their sin, and turn to Jesus Christ, okay, these things back here, As that becomes real in their life, they're part of that covenant relationship that God is offering to them. You know, as I was thinking about this, every serious relationship has a covenant. Every one. Some are written down, some are not written down, but think about it. Every serious relationship has a covenant. Marriage. If you are dating someone, that's great. But when it turns serious, is when it's time for a covenant. And did you ever think about the covenant in marriage? It's, it says, if you marry me, my covenant to you is that I will love you in sickness, in health, for rich, or poor, good times, or bad times, better or worse, as long as we both live. Only one condition, if you marry me. I got the rest. You don't have to worry about my end. I got that. That's quite a covenant. I've never been to a wedding where somebody says, if she loves me, I'll love her. If she's good to me, I'll be good to her. If she accepts me, If she gives me what I want, I'll give her what she wants. Never been to a wedding like that. The covenant is, if you marry me, my side's covered. Period. That's a covenant relationship. Very serious relationship. Every serious relationship has a covenant. I work for some, or if you work for someone for a year to build them a house, if they don't support you financially in that year, you're going to take a while to recover. Daryl, you can only work so long as non-profit doing, delivering uh, whatever. Logging equipment, gravel. Logger, you can only cut trees for free so long. Soon you're going to say, you know, 
Somewhere we're going to have to have a covenant where maybe you pay me while I cut for you. Somewhere there has to be a covenant. Now, if it's a day's worth of work, not very serious, you might even miss it. And you might put it off. Or before or behind. There's no deadlines. It's just a day's work. No big deal. You know what? You'll probably do some of those without a covenant. I'll get to that sometime. But if it's a serious thing, you're going to have to sit down sooner or later and say, you know, it doesn't work unless there's a covenant. <clears throat> if you spend $500,000 for someone to build your house, you probably want a covenant. The bank wants a covenant. They want to see a contract. They want to see a covenant that we will give you finances based on the covenant agreement. If you don't have an agreement, you don't have money. We're not backing you up. Every serious relationship has a covenant, including God, including marriage, including even business. I went to the bank. I know the president very well from the bank where we go. Um, from the store relationship. See him quite a few days a week. Went to him earlier in the year and said, you know, I need an operating loan. We had some things come up unexpectedly. And um, I would need $7,000 as an operating loan. He said, you'll have it in your account tomorrow. Now that's good service. That's really good service. And you know what his next question was? Anybody want to guess? His next question of all the nerve was, and what do you want to put down for equity? Hey, we're pals. Hey, come on here. Can't we do a buddy thing? Is that to be your truck? Hey, come on. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. And because we're pals... Actually, because we're pals, we're willing to agree to a covenant. Because we're pals. Right? See, the other side is, when I want to use somebody, or possibly be fearful of something, then I don't want a covenant. Um, and hey, listen, small things are not covenant things. Right? There's nobody that signs a contract to buy a sandwich at our store. Nobody. You can shop for a sandwich wherever you want to go. It's a $4 purchase. You don't have to sign any contracts. But we as the same store, if we sell wholesale, if we buy wholesale, they say, how much are you going to buy? And what's their next step? Fill out an application. We want your name. We want your business number. We want your address. And we want your bank and their address. And we want your routing number. And we want your account number. Hey, that's too much to ask. All I want to do is buy a couple hundred thousand dollars of wholesale. You want a serious relationship with us? Then you need a covenant. You know what to expect, and we know what to expect. That's all taken care of with a covenant. If I'm selling of a sandwich for four dollars, I don't require you to sign a contract. This is not a major relationship. You get that and you leave. Everybody's happy. There's a covenant in every serious relationship. Check me out on Scripture. It happens over and over again. Not just between God and man, 
or man to God, however you want to look at that, not just between church and people, not just between families, husband and wife, also in relationships, business-wise. However, there's Abimelech and Abraham in Genesis 21. There's Laban and Jacob. And there's Jonathan and David as a friendship covenant. It lays out, this is what's expected of you. This is what I can expect. This is what you can expect. It's down. Whether it's written or clearly understood, now we know what we're supposed to do. Seven of us went together, purchased a new Mustang, and we were going to share it seven equal ways. Sound like a good idea, right, Benji? We can get into a Mustang. You know, something even this small needs a contract. If seven of us own something all together, we own the same piece of equipment, you better have at least an understood covenant, if not a written covenant, or you're going to get in hot water. As the other men started out with the Mustang, we all took our turns. Elmer wanted more freedom as he drove the car. Convertible would look cool. So he took the sawzall and cut the roof off. Jim felt too restricted. He looked at the Jeeps driving past him. And he felt, I need more freedom, more elbow room. He took the doors off. Fred felt like, this is too simple. I'm living in a sawed-up car that's a convertible, homemade. People stare at me because it looks odd. We need to add decoration. He took the antlers from last year's buck kill and duct taped it to the grill up front. Hank felt the silence was deafening. So he took the sawzall and he sawed the muffler off. Now we have a car. Ralph felt small when he drove it. So he jacked it up with monster tires. Eli couldn't see the road very well because of the monster tires. It was too high. You could run over a cat, a dog, and you didn't even know what you hit. You could run over a deer and you didn't even know you hit him. So he took off the front tires and he put donuts on the front tires so that he could see the road. Now he can see when a ladybug crosses the road. Now, today I have the car. Today I go to my interview for the new job and I'm not sure what the boss will think of me. This was supposed to be a special car for all of us. Everybody did what they wanted to to it. Now we have nothing. And that is what we struggle with as a church. When we lose sight of covenant. This is what we're up against. I want more freedom. And so, I know the... But you know what? I want... And so you're taking the sawzall and cutting the roof off. In the last times, this is not a surprise, okay? This is not something that Jesus said. I've never seen this coming. 
I just never seen it coming. For people would not want to be part of a covenant relationship. I never seen it coming. Jesus saw it coming a long time ago. A long time ago. And it doesn't surprise us, hopefully. It's brought up in Romans 1 and in other places. Covenant breakers. Those who are rejecting God are classified as covenant breakers. Now, I look at that word covenant breaker and think it's the same as a liar. Someone who had a covenant, but they broke the covenant, they're a liar. Actually, that's not the meaning of the word. That definition would be a liar. If somebody made a covenant and broke that covenant, they're a liar. If, if somebody contracted with you to buy your lumber and you got everything cut down, you're ready to take it into the mill and they said, how about that? Actually, we're not going to buy that lumber after all. They're a liar. A covenant breaker is something a little bit different. And I'll read it directly here. It says, covenant breakers is a person who refuses to be bound by oath. He can give no pledge for his conduct. A person who refuses to be bound by oath. Look, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to be obligated. Okay? That's a covenant breaker. As I said, every relationship, every important relationship must have a covenant. How many of you feel that a church relationship is an important relationship? Can I see your hand? It's an important relationship. Now, there's some people who treat church life like buying a sandwich at our store. I'll buy what I find. I don't want to be tied to anything. And they're going to look like the hot rod that I just described. A covenant requires something of us. We get a whim to cut the roof off. Um, We get a whim to, you know, I don't like going to prayer meeting. I'm not going to go to a prayer meeting. What happens? You're taking the sawzall to the thing. I want to be part of something where we can just do what's right in our own eyes. And soon you have no car to drive. You have no decency and no line of decency to follow. Relationship by covenant is biblically important. You can't read Scripture and not get this idea. Biblically important Relationship by covenant. In friends, in relation to God, in relation to any important relationship. But, here's the big question. Here's the but. I don't agree with the brotherhood covenant or bylaws. I don't agree with all of them. Okay? And since I don't agree with all of them, then I'm not going to be part of something I don't agree with. Okay, I hear you. There is no church in the world that you will agree 100% with. If you do, only one of you is doing the thinking. That's a fact. You will never find a church where you say, you know, 100%. If you do on week one, I'd love to come visit you on week two. Because something's going to come up and you say, hey, now wait a minute here. There's no church you'll agree with 
So then you have a choice. Do I go to a place with zero accountability? I want no accountability. I want no covenant. We just want to hot rod around and see where we end up. People can whack or chop whatever they don't like. Everyone is as committed to the place of church to the same depth as where we're going to get a sandwich today. Or do I want a church that offers a vision greater than even my own current understanding? That's my goal this morning. That we realize a commitment to the church as the bride of Christ needs to be the same depth as they are committed to the covenant in the most important decisions of our life. Because church life is extremely important decision and relationship. Extremely important. If you don't get along with the bride, I hate to see what happens when the groom comes. Church relationship is extremely important covenant relationship. There are things in a covenant agreement that at times you won't be able to sit down with the rules of science and rules of probability or even the rules of psychology or even your own logic and figure it all out. And I hear this, and it's legitimate to be able to say, what is this? However, did you hear me? You won't be able to figure it all out. It's greater than you. That doesn't mean it's less than you. It's greater than you. Yeah, but I I, I hear what we say. But internally we're thinking, yeah, but I'm smarter than this. I can figure it all out. I take you back to the Garden of Eden. I, I think it's uh, incredible. The Lord says, eat of all the trees of the Garden of Eden, but one. Don't touch, sorry, don't eat of that fruit lest you die. Now, do you think Adam and Eve sat down and, and through their logic said, you know, that makes sense. That really makes sense. That fruit is decrepit and it looks like somebody would die eating it. It looked good for food. It made no sense. Their logic, their psychology, their being able to understand it is not going to come. They simply had to come to this spot right here. They needed to, as I appreciate Val Yoder's statement on this, their mental expertise was going to have to bow to a different law than their own logic. The law of obedience to a covenant greater than their own understanding. So you're going to have to bow to a greater understanding, your own mental expertise. And there's too many people who feel they're incredibly smart. I can figure this out or I don't want anything to do with it. Really? That doesn't sound very smart. There's things that are greater than you. Adam and Eve could never say, now that makes sense. If God would have told them, look, you can eat of any of the fruit, but don't kill someone. They could have sat down and they said, you know, that makes sense. God gave life, we shouldn't take life. That makes sense. But don't eat the fruit. They could never figure that one out on their own logic. They had to bow to the law of obedience. If we fully agree with the directive and authority has set up, the qualities of deference, loyalty, and submission are not exercised or built. Read that again. If we fully agree with the directive and authority has set up, the quality of deference, 
Loyalty and submission are not exercised. Those are the very things we need exercise so desperately in all of us on a continual basis. There's not one of us who don't need exercise in those things. And we get exercise in those things when we come against an authority in our life. And we don't 100% agree with it. And then we got a decision. Now I'm here to put the ministers on the spot. I didn't practice this with them. Are you ready, Claire? Here comes the question. Do you fully agree with all the directives in the bylaws of the Northwoods Mennonite Church? Appreciate the concise answer. Eric, do you fully agree with all the bylaws of the Northwoods Mennonite Church? Then why have them? You don't have to answer that. Do you know why we have them? Right behind me. Those two men need that. I need that. And you need that. Because Jesus isn't coming for a church that's a hot rod. He's coming for a spotless church who is looking and longing for His appearing. It's so easy in my own mind to think I'm smarter than a body of believers. Think somehow that, you know, if I don't agree with it, then I don't want anything to do with it. Somewhere i got to learn this. If not, I'm going to be in trouble when I go for my final interview. I'm going to be in really hot water. What does all this mean? It means, I am saying, a Christ-centered church is to be recognized as a greater entity than personal preference. A Christ-centered church is to be recognized as a greater entity than personal preference. And I realize it militates against individualism, and I realize not just one of us struggle with it, all of us struggle with individualism. But are we winning the battle? Are we saying, Lord, put this in me? He can only put it in you as you submit and realize and recognize, I need help. Many times in Scripture, He says, be not wise in your own conceits. There's some really smart people here. But not near as smart as what they think usually. Be not wise in your own conceits. I have all the answers. And they're the most conceited people that we can talk with, that we can relate with. And that's all of us at times. We become conceited because we think we have it all figured out. Proverbs 26.16 The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. This is true. If I'm lazy, I don't want to learn these things. I got all I want. And I don't want to feel obligated. And seven men can stand up and say, you know, this makes more sense to stand here and or do this. But if I'm lazy, I'm saying, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's what Brotherhood Covenant is about. There was seven men or more that stood up and said, Let's do this. And the ministry says, hey, we don't agree with everything. Well, guess what? We need to say, I'm not going to be a sluggard about it. I'm going to fulfill this covenant relationship. 
Now, as we look at covenant relationship, our covenant, this is who we are. All members shall faithfully attend collective worship services. Where are we at Wednesday night? Well, I don't think you're sawing the roof off. You're not learning this. Am I saying we need to be dogmatic? We need to be to ourselves. We've got to learn this. Now, we understand age. We understand health. We understand travel. We understand you're not even here sometimes. We also understand stubbornness. We also understand... Uh, Should we even go there? And I don't know which camp you're in. I've seen sometimes Wednesday night people pulling a boat as they're coming out their lane. Probably not going to Wednesday night church. Probably didn't plan that way. You say, I don't want to be have anything over me. That's exactly what Scripture was saying. Covenant relationship. Minister, janitor, deacon. We've got to learn this. Can we as a church come together and say, you know, I think we should have church every third Wednesday. I think we should have Sunday night church once a month. Does that mean, oh, we're throwing it all in the wind. We're all compromising. Listen, if the brotherhood who makes a decision and says, let's have church every once a month, on a Sunday night and every Sunday morning. I'm obligated to this right here. Whether I agree with how many times or how few times, I'm obligated right here. I have something to learn. And may I say, we all have something to learn. The church by shall, shall by commission of Christ and with compassion for loss Spread the gospel through collective efforts, personal witness, consistent life, loving deed in the name of Jesus. That's what's expected out of my week. As needs arise, the church shall obtain, ordain, biblically qualified men as bishops, ministers, and deacons. The church shall exercise care in discerning the readiness of candidates for baptism and in receiving of the applicants from other congregations. It shall be the duty of every member in humility and meekness to consistently pray for one another and as appropriate admonish and warn those who are in sin and in error. This is the covenant. This is what I can expect. This is what you can expect. Grievances between brethren shall be approached in the instruction of Matthew 18. We believe that we are to identify with the joys and sorrows and burdens of our brethren, not sparing personal assets or even life in meeting genuine needs. I'm reading them briefly. In order to assist parents in the responsibility of training their children, the church shall provide suitable facilities, staff, and curriculum for an education in harmony with Christian principles. No default to state control or humanistic teaching shall be permitted. The church must faithfully counter the pressure of apostasy. By evaluating current trends in the world, make careful scriptural applications concerning the same, 
In making these applications, the brotherhood must protect the reputation and respect those whose views may differ. I'm glad that's in there. We might not agree, but I will respect you, and I can expect you'll respect me. Deference, loyalty, submission. I need continual training in that. Applications and restrictions. Marriage, we recognize the permanence of the marriage union. Therefore, we do not recognize as Christians those who continue in divorce and remarriage entanglements or other immoral relationships. Headship. We believe we adhere to the teaching of 1 Corinthians 11 in regard to the headship order and the sisters' veiling. We ask our families to consistently practice the principle of headship and our sisters to consistently wear the capstyle covering or the flowing veil. Veil. The flowing veil is to be worn with the following guidelines. Solid fabric, small edging allowed, starting at mid-crown, hang past the hairline, black or white in color. So we have a guideline of the size of the veiling. So as you address, where does my covering come up? Mid-crown. Where does my covering hang down? It's all part of a covenant. Because this is important to me. Attire, we believe that the heart condition and outward appearance should be in harmony. Therefore, the principles of modesty, decency, and simplicity are to be displayed. This is how it is for the brethren. In letter A, brethren are expected to wear the plain coat for dress-up occasions, and otherwise to dress simply and modestly. They are also to avoid fashionable hairstyles, mustaches without the full beard, and trendy sideburns. So we want to stay away from the goatee style. We want to dress modestly, decency. Well, what's wrong with a goatee? The Brotherhood probably looked it up. As you study where goatees originated from, uh, probably not a good idea at all to jump in there. Um, not a good deal idea at all. Uh, if you don't believe me, study goatee sometime. Uh, and the connotation that it even gives in today's world. Ungodly people say, I can look at your beard and I can tell you about you. I never looked at beards that close. I don't know. But the brotherhood is saying, no, this is what we want to stand by. Avoid fashionable hairstyles. All right. We get concerned when we see shaved heads. Are we following fashions? Some of us are getting closer to not being able to help it. What do we do? What's the idea behind it? What about sleeveless shirts, men? Is that following decency? Is that following order? Well, that's what I want to do. Is that sawing the hood off of the car because somebody wants to do something? It's very basics for men. For the sisters, it says... For the promotion of purity, we ask our sisters to wear a modest cape dress of sufficient length to go well below the knees. Apparel that is sheer, showy, form-fitting, or with frivolous trimmings is not permitted. Sisters are also to avoid fashionable hairstyles and the use of makeup or jewelry. Sisters, I encourage you. There's a fad that is pulling the dresses up to just below the knee. The Brotherhood says it doesn't belong here doesn't belong here. The brotherhood says it goes well below the knee. 
This isn't to condemn anybody. This is to say, this is what the covenant is that we expect of all of us. Well, I'm not into covenant relationship. I want to do my own thing. It's going to be a fearful thing when Jesus comes back. If we think we can handle it alone. Sisters, I think we need to tweak some things there. There's some dresses that are getting... Be careful. Well, I can play volleyball easier. It's cooler. That could all be. But somewhere we have to have a covenant relationship where we hold a line. There is an understood covenant in that. Uh, darker shoes for dress-up occasions. And white shoes are permitted for a wedding, etc. For wedding couple up front, etc. However, that is not a written. I wish it was written. Why do we want to be asking for something that we can't be clear on on paper? However, that is in the minutes for the men's meeting. Makeup. So what consists of makeup? Painting nails. The brotherhood said, we don't want to go there. Well, it's my toenails. Nobody will ever see. This is what God sees. There's none of us here who, who could say, you know, I can't do anything because I get caught at everything. All of us here can get away with quite a few things. But it doesn't help us. It bites us. Encourage you. Covenant relationship is in every important relationship in my life. Every single one. If I stop viewing the church as an important relationship, hey, for Todd Miller, these things get, oh, what's the big deal? Bodily care, we recognize that tobacco and liquor are physically and spiritually damaging, therefore are not to be used among us. Courtships and wedding, we strive to spare our youth the consequences of premature girl and boy relationship and poor dating standards through faithful teaching and clear directives and standards of purity and holiness and ask for positive parental guidance in the same. To become, to avoid becoming involved in pleasure-seeking and fleshly entertainment, we abstain from the following types of things. Mixed bathing, dances, movie theaters, competitive sporting events, trashy magazines and novels, playing violent games, television, and radio. Since many commercially produced video movies are corrupt in content, great care must be exercised in their selection, we therefore ask parents to be involved in the selection and the viewing of movies for their families. But I don't have that conviction, maybe, for movies, that I have to be involved in the selection and viewing. So I'm fine if young people get together at my house and their parents aren't realizing what's happening and we'll just, they'll just all watch movies at my house. Not a good setup. There's a little bit of a dangerous setup there. We're not following our covenant agreement that says the parents will be involved in the selection and the viewing. It's, it's things like this that bring a carefulness as we consider them. And it, I realize there's some people probably sitting here that the hair is up on the back of their neck. Some of you look like the hair is on the back of your neck is standing up. I'm not here to say, look, 
I'm righteous. Follow me. I'm here to say there's a covenant relationship that you put on every serious relationship. Every single one. I didn't... Dan Schrock didn't write this. Lester Troyer didn't write this years ago. Claire and Eric didn't say, you know, let's sit down and we're going to put this down and they're going to... This is We put this together by prayer, by Bible reading, by saying what does God require of us? I challenge us. Let's reassess how do I view my relationship with the church? That's an eternally important question. It's a very... It, it murders individualism outright. Because I can't just say, you know, he's coming back for me. I need to say he's coming back for his bride. And I want to be part of something greater than myself. And that is the church. If I don't understand everything about the church, if I can't explain everything about what's written here, it's because I don't understand. It's above me. It's bigger than me. I can't figure it out. But I hope I can learn deference and submission and loyalty in church life. Those things are a must. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. As I look at the Northwoods congregation, I am extremely indebted to the Northwoods congregation. I see the stability they brought to my life. And if I understand, maybe not for some of you, but for me, if I'm left to my own way, I tend to get the saws all out. Say, that's not important, that's not important. And I prefer this. Because my preferences rate way too high in my own life for way too long. And so I want to say thank you to a congregation who has stabilized me through times of question, through times of struggle. God bless you. If you're able to, will you kneel for prayer?